Right, well, we're in chapter chapter seven this this morning. Now, I'm sure we're all very aware, aren't we, of the uh, the rules, the the advice, uh, regulations, and guidance surrounding the pandemic. You know, uh, wash your hands regularly, cover your face, maintain social distancing. You know, keep your distance, uh, and so forth. Some people are very are getting very tired of it, aren't they? People are uh, are thinking, well, they don't want to to, to bother uh, with with the, all these regulations. Well, there there are others that are are very keen, very zealous uh, to to maintain these things, and and, and there is good reason, uh, of course. So there are all kinds of of, of feelings out there, uh, and you, you see this maybe if if you're going to a place of work, you might see this among your own work colleagues or your members of your family uh, there's all kinds of thoughts out there at the moment and I think uh, uh, somebody posted on the internet uh, a, a DJ I think or a, a TV personality in Northern Ireland who was chasing after people you know if he saw them not wearing wearing a mask uh, and uh, at church we've been very very keen to to get things all ready to make the church COVID secure, Anne and Mark have been hard at it. So we're very aware of all these kind of things to do with keeping clean. And I guess we'll, this is what we're kind of thinking about this morning. The Pharisees in our passage were very keen on external cleaning, cleaning hands in a certain way, cleaning uh, very uh, uh, ordinary objects, even pots and pans and, and things. Uh, they were very keen at what we would say adhering to the rules and making sure other people did likewise. And it's it's not in the translation that Avril read, but in in older, more formal translations, in verse two at the end, it's got this expression: "And they found fault. They found fault." And there's always people around who are good at finding fault. They're fault finders. And that was the Pharisees. They were the people that would, uh, you know, point some, somebody out and say, you know, you're not doing this. You're not washing your hands the right way. Um, they were fault finders. Um, so we, we, we look back at verse two. You know, they were seeing the disciples, the disciples, Jesus' disciples, and uh, they might be eating and they weren't washing their hands the way that they thought they should have been washing their hands so you know that they're, they're saying well you know you're at fault here so they were the fault finders and uh, we 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 know people like that maybe we're like that sometimes ourselves you know maybe uh, it's something that we struggle with we we like things to be clean we like things you know keep to the regulations as it were so that, that this was the, the Pharisees. But what we see here in our passage, and we see elsewhere in the Gospels, that the Pharisees were guilty of uh, keep making up rules and regulations that were, in a sense, had become ad added onto the law of Moses. So there was the original law, the ceremonial law, and the moral law, and somehow over time by the time we get to the the the, the time of, of 
of the Lord Jesus uh, in the first century. There were all these add-ons, these extra rules and regulations, and the Pharisees were very, very, uh, very good at maintaining and uh, wanting people to uh, uh, keep these rules and regulations, which had really, uh, they, they were traditions. And of course, we see the expression here, you know, you know, why do your disciples not keep the tradition of the elders? Notice it's not, why don't your uh, disciples keep the law of Moses, keep the moral law? Uh, it was these external things. Why don't they, why aren't they keeping the, 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 the rules of the elders, the traditions of the elders? And so, we're going to be thinking a little bit about tradition, this word tradition, and and worship. Because Jesus, uh, in our passage, has some very tough things to say to the, the Pharisees. And he's really, he's, he, he's speaking about worship. He's saying to them, in vain do you worship me. He's quoting Isaiah. So we're going to think about, well, What's the flip side of vain worship for us? It then must be pure and authentic worship. So that's what we're going to be uh, uh, aiming to think about this, this morning. So we're thinking about these things, what the Pharisees were doing wrong, their vain worship, their traditions, and what is then real worship? What does real worship look like? Now, there are some very clever people out there, and Mark, Mark might have um, uh, read and, and heard people sort of touching on these things. Uh, there, there's, there, are, there are three aspects to worship. There are three aspects. When we're talking about uh, worship, particularly in a church setting, so I'm thinking of a church setting now, there are three ways of understanding uh, a church going about its business of worship. And so there's three things, uh, just to briefly sort of uh, cover this, this morning. Uh, the first one is the circumstance of worship. The second one is the content of worship. And the third one is the, the consequence of worship. And we'll maybe think a little bit about the Pharisees and about ourselves as we engage in worship. Uh, as a church so those three things so the first thing the circumstance of worship well what what do you mean by that you, you know come on Alistair what, what what are you talking about these three things what do you mean by by circumstance of worship well it, it's simply this you know a church will meet at half ten or they'll meet at eleven a church will have pews or they'll have chairs these are the circumstances of worship. Where the, the location of a church, these are all circumstantial. They're not, in a sense, eternal things. They're not unimportant, but they're, they're merely the circumstance of worship. They're the, perhaps the external things. And we could add to, the, to, to, to that category, couldn't we? What are the circumstances of worship? You know, uh, does your church have double glazing or not? You know, do you, uh, how big's your pulpit? Things like that. They're, in a sense, they're circumstantial. 
they're important in a way, but then they're not eternally important. They're not really what's important. So the second thing, the content of worship, well, as you can be imagining, that is that is really what, what worship should be about. What is uh, the content of worship? Well, it's, it's what we're saying to the Lord from our heart, isn't it? It's what individually and collectively what we are, are speaking out before God, how we're behaving in church before the Lord. And obviously the content, the core content of our worship should be the scriptures. It should be the, the, the Bible. The Holy Scriptures should be at the core of the content of worship. And then what about the third thing, the consequences? Well, that's in a sense the fruit of our worship. The fruit of our worship. What the consequences of gathering together and worshiping God should result in good fruit. There should be good consequences. Now, in thinking about the uh, Pharisees, thinking about when we get church wrong, if we get the first two mixed up, if we get our priorities skewed or mixed up, or we get our priorities wrong about the first two, the, the circumstances and the context, then the third one, the consequences of worship, um, will will go will go wrong. We'll get the wrong consequences. And I think that's what was happening with the Pharisees. They'd allowed all these uh, these rules and regulations that were never there at, at the time of Moses, that hadn't been revealed to Moses. They'd kind of become add-ons and add-ons. And that hence them saying, well, it's the, the tradition of the elders. So there's all these sort of traditions that are really, they're just to deal with externals. And people become so tied up with them and, and they kind of, the fulfillment of these, this kind of to-do list that then the actual true content of worship gets lost. And so the consequences, well, Jesus says to them, you're hypocrites. I mean, that's really strong language, isn't it? When he, when he, he speaks to them in that way and he's, he's going to, to the Old Testament, he's, he's uh, applying uh, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 29, uh, a section in that chapter, He's, he's, he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 29. And he's saying to them, well, well, you know, well did Isaiah speak. He's prophesied of you. He's, he's addressing them in, in a very sort of very straightforward and brutal way, even, saying, you're hypocrites. So they, they sort of got their, their idea of what real worship all mixed up. They've got tied up with externals and that's the danger for us it's a danger for any church to get tied up with circumstances and to uh, let the circumstances of worship cloud out the consequences the, the the content of worship you know whatever we do uh, to make church and we want to get back to church, don't we? We want to get back worshipping together. Whatever we do to make the church right, we need we need to get the, our priorities right so that 
what's what's the real focus is the content of worship so jesus had tough things to say to the pharisees verses 6 to 13 and he's calling them hypocrites and so there is a danger of hypocritical or vain worship secondly what what they were doing they were they were getting tied up with externals they were adding other things so when we 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 get further on he he reminds them of these other things that they were doing so they were they were adding to all this zeal for cleanliness and cleaning external things they were avoiding the fifth commandment they were avoiding the fifth commandment by applying the, these traditions that they developed and the lord's pulling the, you know pointing this out to them from verse 9 to, to 13. so we have the fifth commandment and jesus quotes it uh, so the fifth commandment from the ten commandments says honor your father and mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And this is a positive, a proactive commandment to 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 do something. It, it's you know to to honor your parents. And so, with every sort of positive commandment, there is a kind of flip side. Of what is therefore the flip side here? What is then forbidden in this commandment? Well, it's exactly what the Pharisees were at. Some of the Pharisees were being guilty of. And and uh, if we go to uh, uh, the the shorter catechism, which was a little sort of teaching uh, uh, um, uh, booklet that uh, uh, the the Puritans uh, used back in the Puritan era, in the little shorter catechism, was particularly used in in Scotland. Uh, it was a kind of sort of question and answer uh, way of of teaching Christian doctrine, particularly for children. Uh, at uh, at uh, question sixty five, it uh, it it deals with this 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 commandment, the fifth commandment, and uh, it says this that the what is forbidden is the neglecting of or doing anything against the honour and duty which belongs to everyone in their places and relations so it it uses the word neglect so we're not to neglect uh at that or go against anything uh so not honoring not loving uh and respecting parents and others as well others and others around us pastors and elders and and those in authority those that god has placed in authority we are not to neglect that but that's exactly what the pharisees were doing and and so what they were doing and perhaps not in the translation that avril read but in the older translations it actually gives the hebrew word korban and so really what 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 that means is given to god or a gift given to, to god and so what what the pharisees were, were doing it was to kind of get get out of jail cause you know if you know the game of, of uh, monopoly it, it was like that it, it was really what they were doing was they were declaring this vow and that's what it is it was a vow and of course vows are binding if you make a vow before god it's binding so what they were 
doing with this tradition, they were saying, well, uh, my all my resources, uh, my house, property, money, well, it's a gift to God. And so they didn't then have to help if they had aged parents or their parents in need, they didn't have to help them. And so Avril read a paraphrase and it, it kind of helped, helpfully sort of uh, makes that very clear what, what's, what's happening there. That's what they were doing. They were guilty uh, of neglecting this commandment. They were, ne- they were guilty of, by default, of neglecting their parents. But what they were, by doing all this, this making these vows, uh, problems to others, it, it made them look very spiritual, made them, you know, oh, you know, oh, that, that, that Pharisee over there, he's, he's made, he's made this vow with all his property. Uh, he, he must be a very, he must be a very spiritual, he's a very holy Pharisee. Uh, and yet what they were doing was they were in effect, but by doing that, they were neglecting this, this, this commandment and they were, they were violating God's holy moral law by trying to adhere to their traditions, these traditions of the elders. And the Lord Jesus sees through their hypocrisy. He sees through all this, this kind of, uh, outward, um, uh, uh religion of pride and, uh, and, and so forth. He saw through it. That's why he calls them hypocrites. You know, they followed the traditions of, uh, as John MacArthur says, they followed the traditions of men because such treat teaching required only mechanical and thoughtless conformity without a pure heart. So what is the heart of the problem? The heart of the problem is the human heart. And that was the problem with the Pharisees and the disciples hearing Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and, and, and to the crowd that were there, they were a bit slow on the uptake. And so Jesus is explaining what the heart of the problem is. What is the, the, the heart of the problem with vain worship, with worship that's, that's gone wrong? And it's, it's, it's right there in the human heart. And we might, we might see examples of, of uh, this problem all, all around us, even in, in perhaps in, in, with neighbours in Quinton, if you're living there in Quinton, uh, wherever wherever we're living, if we've got religious neighbours, they might be uh, uh, having the same problem that the uh, Pharisees had. There might be Christians that or people that go to church, and uh, they might be sincere or genuine in what they're doing in trying to follow their particular faith but it might be that they're just going through the process of uh, ticking a li- having a list of and ticking ticking boxes well uh, we've done this we've done that we've, we've dressed in a certain way we've met this but we haven't met that and uh, uh, we've, we've put this this uh, bit of clothing on they have got a shirt and tie on today uh, but it's a kind of, it's a tradition, isn't it? There's an old Scottish preacher that I heard and he, he used to say, people will be known by their, their, their fruits, not their suits. So that's just a, a, an illustration that I've got a tie on. Uh, but 
but there are people who who, who are, can be very religious around us. You know, people of, of some of the other faiths, uh, I'm thinking some of the other non-Christian faiths that we have very much represented in the West Midlands. And that, that there's a lot of emphasis on outward externals, how they look, not, you know, washing in a certain way, do, doing this, having certain rituals, and it's all external. But what about the heart? What about the heart? Where is the heart in all of this? And this is what, what, what Jesus is getting to in the final section of our, of our passage as he's, he's in that house, he's in the, and he's there with the disciples and he's explaining to them. The heart of the problem is the human heart and it's what comes out. The human heart is what's there in the human heart. That's the real core issue, isn't it? So if we want to get um, if we want to have the right consequences of our worship, we need to to get the right priority of what what is what what is actually required, and it's 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 a, it's it's the heart. It comes out of the heart. It's to deal with our hearts. It, it's not the circumstances of worship. You know, as important as they are. They're there as a benefit for us. Uh, we need to have the content, but ultimately we need to have the heart. The heart is what's important if we're going to have true uh, um, consequences that God wants, that God desires for us to have. So Jesus is now telling us that the heart is where all all these things come out from that defile, that make us unclean, that make us guilty before God. It's it's not what we touch, it's not how we dress or not dress, how we set out the the, the chairs in church, or or if we've got pews. It's 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 the heart, isn't it? And all the the the, the these things, and there's quite a quite a negative list there that Jesus gives. Uh, at the end of, of, of the passage. And uh, what have we got? Uh, where are we? We've got evil thoughts, murder, theft, deceit, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. And all these things we could probably see in the, in the Pharisees. Despite all all their outward religion, despite their all their dressing up and their, their, their regulations and their washings and everything, uh, this this was the consequence, probably the consequence of their lives of their of their of their worship. They were, as Jesus said, rightly quoting um, Isaiah twenty nine. You know, in vain do you worship me. You know, your hearts are far from me. It was merely lip service. It was the praise was from the lip outwards only. The heart wasn't with God. And this, this is, this, this, this is uh, our problem. Our problem is uh, the human heart, as Jeremiah reminds us, and I think we, I quoted this verse a few weeks ago, 
you know, the heart is deceitful above all things, and who can fathom it? This was this was the problem with the Pharisees, and it, it's a problem with everyone. Now we can't get the consequences of worship right because our hearts are not right with God till we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and He's the one that's going to 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 get all these these things right, isn't it? So he's, we're going to get the right perspective on con- on circumstance. We're going to get our focus right on what really is the core content of worship. And ultimately, it's it's him, it's himself, isn't it? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He has to be there. But he wasn't there with the Pharisees. The Pharisees um, were very religious. They were tied up with religion. But their hearts were very far from God. So if we want to have the opposite of vain worship, we need to get the heart right. We get we need to get our perspective right and our focus right. We need to realize that by nature, uh, as uh, as as frail, sinful human creatures, we're never going to, uh, in our own strength, in our own abilities, uh, of ourselves, we're never ever going to get the consequence, the right consequences of worship. Till we get this heart matter sorted, till we're right with God, and that we we have the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts. Because if He's not there, then yes, we might be we might uh, tick the right boxes in meeting on a Sunday. We might look the done deal. But ultimately, the consequences of our worship isn't going to be there. The fruit isn't going to be there. We need the Lord Jesus Christ to have that pure, authentic worship, as opposed to vain worship. It requires a change of heart. It requires a change of heart. A defiled heart expresses itself in itself in speech and actions wrong consequences but a heart that has been transformed by the lord jesus christ has been touched by the lord jesus christ then there will be the right consequence the right fruit and outworking of uh, knowing the lord jesus christ having our hearts right before him you see if we go to church having having a pew having pews instead of chairs it's not going to make us it's not going to make us uh any more godly or meeting at 10 30 rather than 11 these are just they're just the circumstances they're outward things and in, in, at the end of the day but it's it's having having our hearts in the right place and putting all these things into perspective so that we are near to God. We want to be near to God. And when we, we get those those priorities right, then the consequences, the outworking of our worship will be there. The outworking, the consequences of our behavior will be there. And this should be our concern, shouldn't it? When we look at this 
negative list, and we can think of the, the positive link list in Galatians, and Galatians, I think it's in Galatians 5 or 6, where it gives the fruit of the Spirit. You know, so it's talking about fruit, uh, faith, patience, love, uh, long-suffering. All these things are the good consequence of pure worship. Those things that Jesus speaks about here are the negative consequences of a heart that is far from God. And religious people can have expressed those those bad things. The Pharisees were, and Jesus was right uh, to, help, to point them out. J.C. Ryle uh, uh, says that, uh, that for us as, as, as Christians, we ought to not just take our bodies to church, we ought to take our hearts too. We need to have the heart with us. We need to be all together, body and heart, when we worship God. So just to, to uh, sum up what I've been trying to say this morning, we're thinking about what is real worship as opposed to vain worship. We want to avoid just being tied up with externals, which is what the Pharisees were doing, which is the danger for a lot of nominal Christianity. A lot of, a lot of Christians can be tied up with the externals. We want to, to avoid that. We want to avoid this kind of tick, tick box, bo ticking boxes. I mean, there are things that as present uh, moment in time with the pandemic, there are things we have to do. And Anne and Mark have been working so hard to get the church ready. These are necessary things. But the danger is in normal time, and I think we've all been around Christians who can get so very het up with the circumstances that they lose sight of the content, they lose sight of who they're worshipping. And so the, the, cons the consequences, the outworking, uh, um, isn't there. And, that, and I think that's so often how we can have conflict, isn't it? When people start to argue about, well, are we going to have the church walls? Are we going to repaint the walls? Is it going to be pink? Is it going to be this version of pink? Or is it going to be magnolia? Or, or are we going to have all these things just don't, in, in eternal, in an eternal perspective, they don't matter. You know, you might think, well, Oh, well, I quite like Magnolia. Let's keep Magnolia. It, it doesn't, in internal, on internal, on an internal level, it doesn't really matter whether the walls are white or Magnolia or pink, whether we've got pews or chairs. These things are just circumstantial, aren't they? They're there for our benefit. Uh, but we can get so tied up with it. We can get so tied up with so many things that are just circumstantial. We're just ticking boxes. It's doing this and doing that, and we can we can we can allow these things to just cloud out uh, uh, our perspective on, on on what we're really called to do. We're, we're we're called to worship God, to offer God true worship, pure worship, as uh, uh, John MacArthur puts it, and, and not vain worship. So real worship is from the heart. It's from the heart that has, uh, has obviously been transformed and changed because we know that 
by nature we're sinners, we're, we're dead in trespasses and sins, uh, and people who are dead in trespasses and sins can be very religious. Jesus was dealing with people who were very, very religious, but they were very far away from God. You know, it's it's so easy for people to be very religious and yet dead in trespasses and sins. We need a heart transformation so that there'll be good consequences uh, from our worship. And what and what does the Lord require? The Lord requires a clean heart. And only the Lord Jesus Christ can give us that clean heart. Only he can take away that defilement of, of sin that produces all these wrong consequences. And, it, and it, it's to him we need to turn to, isn't it? And so I, I want to encourage us this morning to just have a fresh uh, view and perspective of what we're doing when we gather together, what what church is about, to try and get that, put things into perspective. Things that are important, but really we need to, to, to focus on what truly is important, to, to make sure that the circumstances of worship don't cloud out the content and ultimately um, uh, don't uh, affect our heart, the condition of our heart before God. So I hope, I hope that there's that something to exhort and to, to challenge and to encourage us, uh, this morning. I'm going to read, uh, some verses from Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, uh, as we come to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, sort of round off the, the, this, the, this message this morning. Just to, uh, uh, just perhaps maybe a, a help to us as to try and sort of uh, as we kind of sort of process these things. So I'm going to read, I think, uh, just two verses uh, from that, that hymn. And it's really that speaking about, you know, the wonderful work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the one that's going to transform that, that defiled heart of the sinner and make it, make it right to, to be a worshipping heart. So just listen to these, these words. Uh, of this, this old but very, very, uh, powerful hymn. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law, law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace, foul I to the fountain fly, wash me saviour or I die. This is a heart seeking the Lord, isn't it? And may that, that, that be, uh, true for us this morning. Well, let me, let me just, uh, uh pray, uh, for us this morning now. Heavenly Father, help us to get our priorities right when it comes to uh, the most important thing that we're doing with all of our lives, worshipping you. And it's not just what we do with our lips and, and uh, expressing from our lips, but it's everything, everything that we do for you, uh, and all the acts of service, everything 
in our lives is a sense part of the worship that we offer to you and may we have that pure worship that you desire and may you do that work of grace that you might uh, uh, come alongside us and show us the true priorities for each of us in our own lives uh, today and this coming week and in the, in the in the months to come Lord that you would show us your priorities for each of us in getting uh, our our worship right with you that we might uh, avoid those those dangers of getting tied up with the wrong things but that we will have our focus uh, on you purely on the Lord Jesus Christ Lord do help us uh, and grant us your grace as we we seek to serve you and offer you that heart worship that you deserve. Amen.